Hi, today is October 20th, 2023, and my name is Juni. Welcome to the Theta Game Podcast. I'm not a financial advisor, and nothing I say is financial advice. I'm literally just a normal retail trader, just like you. I'm not certified or a graduate of finance, just a regular trader that started on Wall Street Bets years ago. I've lost a lot of money and made some of it back and more after finding a system that worked for me. I share my trades, system, and experiences all for free. Learn from my mistakes and get a better start than me, or use my experiences to help you rebound after you playing earnings one too many times. You can view all my trades for free at datagang.com slash junie. No sign up required. Seriously, you go to that URL and all my trades are there. No pop-ups, no newsletter, no ads, nothing. Just my trades. And you can email me any questions that I'll answer on the podcast at junie at datagang.com. There's also a cool Q&A feature on Spotify Podcasts where you can ask me questions directly in the app instead of email if you'd like. Lastly, I stream on Twitch every day the market is open for at least an hour at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Come hang out, ask me questions, vent, or just chill. It's a positive environment and everyone is welcome. At twitch.tv slash realthetagang. Thank you and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Alrighty. Uh, I hope everyone's having a fantastic week. Spotify and a few other podcasting platforms have this neat feature where you can suggest an episode or have a default episode to play. And I thought I'd record that episode today. So I'm going to spend a little bit extra time explaining each of the show's sections um, or pieces of content before I go into it. So this episode will be a little bit longer then future episodes, just because, you know, I'm going to take some time to do the explanations. Uh, so bear with me if you're a long-time listener. But there are also going to be some new sections moving forward, so maybe the explanations will be warranted. I hope you enjoy, and stick around. This first section, ThetaGang.com website updates, is essentially me talking about the newest changes to the website that I created and built for option traders. The website is somewhere where you go and you record your trades um, and other people can view your profile to see what, how you've been trading. You know, Maybe you have a few losers or a few winners that you'd love to show off to people and say like, hey, this was a mistake that I did or maybe this trade went well because of this reason. Um, I found that there were a lot of just like social media websites that have to do with investing that really focused on people showing off their biggest wins um, and I think that's cool. I mean, you should be proud of like things that you do well, but there was a really big stigma on showing you know, trades that you've lost on. And so what I'm trying to do is build a community that's really focused around like learning from each other and making sure that bad trades are put in a good light where people are more incentivized to share the bad trades because I feel like those are the most effective ones to learn from. And just a little bit of history, I guess, uh, for ThetaGang.com. It started in 2019. Uh, I'm still the sole developer on it. Um, and that means like every single feature has been developed and coded by me, but that also means every bug has also been developed by me. Um, the website originally only had my trades on it. So you know now you have to go to ThetaGang.com slash Juni. But before, if you went to just thetagang.com, you'd see all my trades there. But um, when I first started building it out, I started sharing it to people on social media. And it got a good amount of traction where people were also interested in doing what I did. Uh, and so I made it 
where you can upload trades and you can sign up for an account and do all the fun stuff just like me and have your own profile. So that's been being built up all the way till today. And that's again, October 20th, 2023, as of today's recording. Um, and I'm still building a lot of cool features. Um, I'm really stoked to have the newest version of this website out, which I might go into a little bit later. But uh, yeah, this section of the website updates is dedicated to my web service that I've built and the features to come. And something that isn't talked about all too much from me is like why I've built it. Uh, I think a lot of people just kind of assume it was a like a, an idea that I had and I just did it on a whim. But you know, there there was a specific reason, and a lot of that still holds till today. Um, I was just really, really getting tired of people on Twitter showing off their like freely editable spreadsheets of their like winning trades. Like people would upload like batches of like hundreds of trades, like 200, 300, 400 trades of all winners saying that they won every single one of those and have no history of losses. Like that triggered me beyond belief and I just could not believe it. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was a website where it didn't let you delete anything that you posted, right? And like all these trades that you posted couldn't be deleted or edited so that I can see your history of being able to call shots correctly. I don't necessarily have a problem with people calling shots correctly all the time, but if you lie about not losing, that's sort of where I draw the line. Like if you win all the time, great. You have a great system that works for you and you're doing really well and I'm happy for you. And you should be able to, you know, be proud of that. But if you like, purposefully hide your losers to attract people to sign up for your like trading platform or um, your trading service. I think that's super, super shady. So what I did was create datingain.com. And again, it started with just me um, showing off all my trades, my winners and my losers. Um, but the main premise of the website is that it doesn't allow you to edit or delete a trade after it's posted. You can edit some fields, but it will mark as edited and see what you've edited, but you can't delete your trades. Now, naturally, you might start to think, well, does this stop people from uploading only their winners or, you know, does it stop people from uploading bogus trades? Because what happens in the terminal can be different from what you upload to the website, right? But this doesn't stop any of that. It's not meant to stop any of that. This gives you sort of the flexibility to share what you're comfortable with. You know, you don't have to necessarily upload every single trade out of integrity. It's just maybe you're just too shy. You don't want to upload that uh, losing trade or you don't want to upload that specific winning trade. Um, but this does give everyone a fair playing field in viewing every single profile from the same standard. If you only see winners on a profile page, you know that person's really just uploading their winners. But if they have a good mix of losing trades and winning trades, you get a better feel of like, okay, this person's really open to their losses and their mistakes. So I will continue to visit their profile and see how they're trading. And this is a person that I can actually ask for some help or for some tips. The simplest way I can put it is that the platform isn't supposed to verify if you're telling the truth. It's just to make your truth more convincing. Like if you want to share your profile, if you want to share your trading style, your success, your failures, 
this is just a way to make it more convincing. This isn't the uh, the whole truth because your whole truth really only exists in your very private uh, trading terminal. So just keep that in mind. Next time you listen to someone else's advice, um, anyone else's tips, maybe you're signing up for a trading service or some trade alerts, you want to see if they have a history of losses. No one wins all the time. Otherwise, they'd be a gazillionaire. Uh, and you want to make sure that they're open enough uh, where they are open to showing you their losses. Um, obviously, their wins would offset their losses, but you need to see a history of losses or else it's just too fishy. No one ever wins all the time. Lastly, uh, this podcast took a break for about five months while I was developing two huge overhauls of the old website. So the website now, if you go to theodagain.com, is version four. Uh, I had previously launched version three within the last five months, but I already knew as soon as I launched it, there were so many other things that I wanted to do, and I just buckled down and got version four completed. So version four has been out since August 2023, which is about two months ago, and the podcast is finally now back, with the website being the absolute best version it's ever been in and still completely free to use and i hope you enjoy it and up next is a fan favorite section of the podcast the earnings section so companies every fiscal quarter will do a earnings report and in that earnings report there are expectations that analysts will expect and if they meet the expectations maybe the stock goes up if they miss the expectations maybe the stock goes down of course earnings are also very binary like just because they beat expectations doesn't mean earnings will uh, make the stock go up there are multitude of reasons of why it might go in the opposite direction of the direction that you think it might would and maybe they beat the revenue expectations by a mile, but you know the stock still went down because the CEO is shifting. Or maybe their earnings per share went down and you expected the stock to go down, but because they are acquiring this company, the stock goes up. There's just so many different uh, ways to justify earnings. And if you can see that in all types of social media websites where if you do look up other people's opinions, Everyone has a different way of justifying where the stock goes. So that's why on this podcast and all the mediums that I really put my content out on, I say that earnings are dangerous, but they're also really fun. I used to play earnings all the time, and this section of the podcast is really just to pay homage to um, essentially, you know, how I got into options. You know, earnings are fun. I will never, ever lie about that. But in a systematic way of approaching stock options or trading styles, I think they're also one of the most dangerous ways to lose your money. So please trade carefully, and I'll get into this section now. Okay, uh, just reading off of the earnings chart here. Um, on Monday after close, Logitech is reporting. Before Tuesday, there's Coca-Cola, General Motors, Raytheon, Verizon, Spotify, and 3M. After close on Tuesday, there's Visa, Microsoft, uh, Texas Instruments, Waste Management, and Snapchat. Snapchat's going to be pretty interesting because of that leaked report. Snapchat, I think, went up like 12% randomly off of this, like, quote, leaked email. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. 
Uh, before open on Wednesday, there's Boeing, T-Mobile, and ADP. Funny story about T-Mobile. Um, I have T-Mobile, and if you don't call in and opt out of their program, they are force bumping everyone into a more expensive plan that doesn't need to be opted into. It just happens by default. So that's actually super crazy to me and sounds like honestly like a class action lawsuit waiting to happen but i've opted out already um but you know i just love to see how that affects the stock price as well um, also shout out to anyone that also has t-mobile you need to call 611 and say that you're opting out of your uh specific plan and it also doesn't affect all the plans i'm just within one of the five plans that does get affected on so just do your due diligence there and then dial 611 if you're on t-mobile and you want to opt out um, Wednesday after close, there is Meta and its year of efficiency. Um, I think Meta has has had a really, really solid run. Um, I can't say much about their meta, Metaverse uh, sort of direction that they went towards. I know that they've pivoted since then, uh, but the stock price has rebounded enough to where it does sway me from investing in it right now. But I do keep my eyes on it. And it is part of my watch list. Um, IBM is also reporting uh, after close on Wednesday. Uh, before open on Thursday, there's the GDP report. Um, also, something called durable goods orders. I've never seen that report before, but it's on this calendar. There's also MasterCard before open, Comcast, UPS, Southwest, Harley-Davidson, Honeywell, Hertz, all before open on Thursday. After close on Thursday, there's Amazon, Intel, and Ford, as well as Chipotle. Chipotle has been doing really well, too. Uh, and then before open on Friday, there is the core PCE index, which is an inflationary number. Um, there's Colgate, Exxon, Chevron, AbbVie, and I think that's about it. Yeah. Whew. It's been about five months since I've reported on earnings. Uh, lots of cool companies, uh, lots of influential companies reporting this week. Uh, Microsoft had just finished the deal about acquiring Activision, and then it's also Blizzard. Um, there's Visa. That's going to be Visa's going to be pretty important in trying to convince the market of like how the consumer is doing and spending. Ideally, you want to see the consumer like us, we're consumers. Uh, spending more money via Visa, aka meaning that you know maybe the average person's not afraid of spending money right now, despite the economic conditions. I mentioned Snap about the 12% day with the leaked email, like quote leaked. I really don't think it it, it was leaked, um, but that's just my, the conspiracy in me. Um, there is also Amazon and Intel, so. Amazon is particularly interesting just because I think Amazon influences just tech stocks in general a lot. Um, but Intel is a stock that I recently got into just like a few weeks ago, I think. I don't think it's even been a month, but I, uh, I've i invested a little bit into Intel uh, just because I wanted a little bit more semiconductor exposure without investing more into AMD and NVIDIA because I have a lot of NVIDIA and a lot of AMD. Um, and I thought maybe a little bit Intel was okay. Um, what else? Chipotle. I love eating at Chipotle. I love the stock, uh, though it's just a little bit too expensive for me to invest in just because I like buying my shares of stock in batches of like 100 so I could write covered calls on it. 
but uh yeah obviously chipotle stock is just really really expensive and buying a hundred at a time would be really really dangerous for me so that's that um i don't really see oh and because today's the default episode that i'm recording i kind of go a little bit into the concept right now and something you want to be wary about when you play earnings if you play earnings because they're really dangerous um is you have to be wary if the companies that you are playing on are within the same industry for example visa reports on tuesday and mastercard this week reports on thursday if visa does really bad on tuesday there's a really good chance that mastercard stock will be affected on tuesday and also go down so for example if you had bought in calls for mastercard later on thursday that means your calls would be down the next following wednesday um, after visa's bad report meaning that you'd have more ground to cover on finally thursday's mastercard earnings report so just be wary if you do decide to play earnings on a particular stock on a particular day make sure that you're essentially clear of any other stock affecting your pick uh, by the time it gets to your earnings report. For example, this is really frequent with Visa and MasterCard, Uber and Lyft, um, what else? Uh, Lowe's and Home Depot, UPS and FedEx. If you're playing a particular stock, make sure that you're either playing the first one that reports in that industry, or if you're playing the earnings of a later one that reports, you wanna make sure that you're taking account of the first one that reported or the first few that reported if it's a big industry. And lastly, one of the best things that I can sort of like relay from my experiences with earnings is because earnings are so, you know, like you either win or you don't, um, it's very hard to adjust and, you know, make bad outcomes, good outcomes. You wanna eliminate as many things that can change as possible. So. One of my favorite ways to approach earnings is don't buy earnings calls or puts too far out. Like you really want to make it as like a as as gambly as possible, right? Like you don't want to incorporate too much strategy into something that's more irrational than even just the stock market itself. I think earnings are just really just a coin flip. So this means opening or entering your earnings trade as close as to the earnings report as you can. So Ideally, this is you. If you want to play earnings, you would open the earnings trade right before the bell closes for the day. This means that you will have the up-to-date information right before you enter it. Because who knows? Maybe there is some really crazy article that comes out maybe during the day um, of the day of your earnings report, and if you opened it that morning, you've or you're already locked in and maybe that has already influenced your earnings play from the get-go or you know if you do play earnings but you buy the call like a month out because maybe the earnings report is a month away and you want to enter it now then you have like three or four weeks of there to be room for a bad article to come out about the company about how it's not expected to do well and then you're going to be read on a position that you've you would have not been read on if you had just waited to play earnings later now the 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 natural progression of thought there is like okay well Junie, wouldn't i miss out on gains if there was a good report following up to the uh, earnings report and that's where the plan goes out the window, right? Like if you start banking on 
uh, articles coming out to help you in your trading system, that's not going to be good for the long run. And I, I hope you know why. Like, I hope you can see why. But if you want to just play earnings, like really just want to see if, if the company does well and you hope that the calls go up, then you want to minimize the amount of time that external factors can influence your earnings play. That's just from my experience. If you're a veteran of playing earnings, you know, I'd love to hear from you in the in, in my email, juni at thetagain.com. Um, but all my longtime listeners know that, you know, earnings, holy moly, do they go the opposite direction of where you think they'd go. If earnings were predictable, everyone would be so rich. But there's obviously a reason why no one is famous for calling every single earnings correctly or no one's famous for being rich off of earnings like really think about that there's not a single person out there selling like like 90 percent chance or 100 percent chance of winning every single earnings play because it just doesn't exist it's such a coin flip but hell yeah it is really fun <laughs> so trade carefully And this next section is dedicated to uh, Wall Street bets and/or news this week. Um, previously, in my other 180 episodes, wow, 180—that's that's crazy to say. Um, in my other 180 episodes, I usually talk about Wall Street bets ad hoc and maybe news this week sometimes. But I want to actually have a specific section for it um, dedicated going forward. Um, now, I don't have any uh, content for it this week, but I will have content for it. Uh, going forward, just because I spent so much time writing the script for today's topic, which is following up next. Okay, it is finally time for the topic of today's episode, and that is my top five trading tips. I chose this topic because I feel like because today's the default episode that this affects the most amount of people. It's applicable to the most amount of people. I think, you know, it's starting out with an episode that has a lot of good content to where it's applicable to you is important, but it's also important to understand like how I think. I think the way that I can portray these next uh, few tips really gives an insight on how I think about options and how I might invest into stocks. Um, so I really do hope you enjoy, and it feels really good to be back. All right, let's just hop straight into it. Um, paying off debt. Uh, paying off all your debt is really important, uh, especially if your debt has an interest rate of like 7% or higher. Uh, usually, uh, people will compare the average rate of return for the stock market, which is about like 7 or 8%, um, to the interest rate of your credit card if you have credit card debt, which is the more predatory rate, which is like 20, 30, 40% at most extreme cases, it should make more sense to you to pay off your credit card debt first, right? Like it, all debt really sucks. And if you have to spend your credit card to live, if you have to do all these things on your credit card to just get by, I totally understand. But you also should be focusing on where you are losing the most amount of unnecessary money that you can especially if you're looking at starting to invest where a good a year will give you about seven to eight percent on average so if you're losing any percentage greater than seven or eight percent you need to tackle those sort of uh debts first 
Um, it doesn't make sense to go all in on the stock market getting 7% or 8% return when you're consistently losing about like 20, 30, 40% on a credit card debt. And tip number two is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting. Um, I understand that even if you have a lot of credit card debt, there's going to be people that just want to get started investing anyway. Maybe you want to do it for fun or maybe you just don't believe in paying off your debts first. That's okay. Um, if you're trying to venture into investing, uh, I strongly, strongly suggest going and buying shares of stock first. I think Wall Street Bets has introduced a lot of people to stock options and a lot of people to just like how lucrative it could be. That's how I originally got introduced to stock options. I originally was on uh, Wall Street Bets just buying and selling stocks on Robinhood and then Robinhood introduced options and that's how I got into it. Um, but I firmly believe that everyone should really start out by just buying shares of stock first. Uh, you need to shake off the number going up and down because it is a wild feeling seeing your uh, account go up and down. I remember buying like my first share of stock. I think it was like maybe Activision when it was like 13 bucks. Um, and oh my god i i don't know it wasn't even activision i think it was just blizz b-l-i-z it was blizzard stock it was like 13 bucks and i i only bought one share and i remember watching that share like a hawk i was looking at it oh my gosh i made 25 cents today oh i lost 10 cents today like i was watching it like a hawk because i just wasn't used to my money going to work for me but also my money being lost right like it would go up 10 cents go down 10 cents and it took me a while to shake off that number going up and down and that's why i think um seeing the number go up and down with shares is better because it's just a little bit less volatile and it'll give you a good place to really start getting in on your fundamentals for example dollar cost averaging is a very very popular option because it's fairly safe um, if you decide to buy one share of apple per week then you do a really good job in making sure that you're averaging down through the ups and downs. This helps combat the feeling of, you know, maybe you decide not to buy buy Apple this week and then Apple shoots up 3 or 4% or, you know, this also helps you avoid um, the feeling of buying Apple too soon. Maybe you buy Apple, you buy a little bit more than you intended and Apple starts going down uh, and that feels really bad. But if you dollar cost average, meaning you invest very regularly at a regular interval, you're always averaging your price. So if Apple is going up, yeah, your average goes up, but you also protect yourself on the way down. As long as you stick to that consistent schedule and you still buy on that regular interval, even when Apple is going down, you should be safer in the long run than someone that tries to time the market. Timing the market is really, really hard to do. And not a lot of people can do it. I would say like, you know, it's almost impossible to time the market because, you know, that phrase is that the market is irrational. It's very hard to put logic behind the market. So strategies like dollar cost averaging give you a head start in getting familiar with going through the ups and downs in the safest way possible. You know, we'd like to avoid going all in or having a large chunk of our capital being used at any sort of given time in one quick succession. Uh, dollar cost averaging lets you build up to that relatively high number that you would like to get to for your portfolio in the safest way. For example, you don't want to just outright buy, you know, $10,000 worth of a company 
if you just only have $10,000, right? Like you want to see how the company reacts to earnings. You want to see how they typically do during like a regular trading session. You don't want to go all in on something that is a little bit unfamiliar. So dollar cost averaging isn't just for beginners, but rather also for intermediates, advanced veterans, for people that want to trade an unfamiliar ticker, something a ticker that is newer to them than others. Um, it provides just a safeguard for any big price swings, and I think it's still just a great overall plan. One last thing about dollar cost averaging that I feel like not a lot of people talk about is um, while I do like to recommend and other people do as well, I, we recommend going into SPY or QQQ. These are index funds that track like uh, hundreds of companies uh, with under one ticker. So it's very safe. It's very diversified. Uh, but SPY and QQQ are also very expensive, right? These are hundreds of dollars per share. And it's kind of hard to dollar cost average something like SPY or QQQ, especially if you're like a college student, maybe you're broke and you know, you'd rather um, invest into something maybe like, I don't know, like Snapchat or some, some company that's just cheaper and some other company that you use. Um, and so maybe, you know, if you're investing or dollar cost averaging with Snapchat, you know, buying one share a week is way more manageable than buying one share of SPY a week um, because that's a difference of $10 a week versus maybe like $400 a week. And I also found that having auto deposits or auto purchases really helped me to stay motivated to dollar cost average more because when you get to a point where, you know, for example, if I really wanted to invest into Apple, um, you know, I can set up a system where maybe I can buy one share of Apple a day. That's like $100 a day. That's like $500 a week. Um, you know, assuming that I'm only trading during or purchasing them on the weekdays when the market's open. Um, but that's like $500 a week and that's like $500 for my paycheck that I'm putting into Apple. But in my mind throughout the week, it's one share of Apple a day. And, you know, buying a share a day also feels really good. That's how, that's how I like to sort of feel my progression growing is like every time I open my trading terminal, I see one more share of stock. That's sort of the thing that kind of gets me motivated. I don't know how others are motivated. Maybe you're motivated by just the total amount of money that you're you're saving up or maybe the total amount of gains that you're having. So you wanna, you wanna find what goal you're striving for and dollar cost averaging will help towards that in a very safe manner. All right, and tip number three, um, naturally comes from the questions that usually pop up after I recommend uh, dollar cost averaging is people, you know, tend to ask like, okay, you taught me about dollar cost averaging. Uh, what should I dollar cost average on? You know, should I dollar cost average on Apple? Should I dollar cost average on SPY? Should I do it on QQQ? Should I do it on any of these other stocks? Should I do it on Tesla? Should I do it on this? It is what you like and what you're passionate about. But more importantly, like what you use. I think investing in what you use is most important. I think you just heard the thud and that was me like dropping my phone. But uh, for example, I love the iPhone. I know that's a very polarizing sort of opinion now these days because we're all supposed to hate Apple. But I think that the iPhone is a pretty cool device. I, I like how it looks. I like how it feels. I like how it functions. Um, and I choose to buy the iPhone over any other phone just because I like it. And there should be a reason why other people like it too. 
right? And so I, I pick up on this, and that's why I like investing to Apple, you know, some of the time. I'm not currently invested into Apple right now because I have other companies that I use and enjoy, which I'll talk about in future podcast episodes. But this is just an example of how you should start framing your stock decisions as well. If you use a specific device, if you shop at a specific store, maybe you only shop at Target, but you never shop at Walmart. Maybe you always go to Starbucks and you never you know, have uh, coffee at home. There's a reason why you do these sort of things, and it's because you prefer these things, and there's a chance that you're not as unique as you think, that other people also like these stores, and that also means that other people like that stock. So you want to, especially when you're just beginning, you don't want to find like, you don't want to try to find the, the, the stock that no one knows about and try and make a million dollars off of that because chances are you're not Michael Burry. I'm not Michael Burry. Even Michael Burry isn't Michael Burry these days with all the shots that he's been calling that have been wrong. But um, invest into things that you like and that you enjoy and that will make following news about it so much more fun like for example like i remember back in the day um i would buy uh, stocks on banks because you know i thought it was safe um it it really was it was really boring and then following up on news on banks was just really boring to me um but then i had like invested into blizzard and then you know i could always keep track of blizzard news because that that really affected me when i was younger because i would always play their newest releases i'd be super excited I'd be interested in World of Warcraft numbers, all that stuff. And that just naturally was fun for me to keep updated on. So if you are invested into a company that you're passionate about, it makes ingesting news about that company so much easier and that'll help you out much more in the long run. But I can also understand from maybe the intermediate or advanced side, you're probably thinking, wow, Junie, you're just telling people to buy what they like um, and what they're passionate about. That doesn't seem very good or very applicable to me right like i care more about like what their financials are what their metrics are like do will the beginners know what the financial metrics are of like snapchat you know maybe they don't know that snapchat is bleeding money and they have a high expectations and whatnot and my point is when you're just beginning and when you're just dollar cost averaging that stuff really doesn't matter you're still in the mode where you're used to your Uh, portfolio account going up and down Um, but you're still in the mode of like finding out what sort of system you want to get started with so when it comes to picking companies that will naturally come to you but a a good stepping stone is investing to companies that you already use some of my favorite metrics include like the price to earnings ratio the emas and rsi and these are all like very fancy acronyms that i'll go into more in depth in future episodes Um, But just in the beginning when you're focusing on dollar cost averaging and you're finding out the very first few companies that you'd like to invest in, really, I think familiarity goes a long way. And just investing in companies that you particularly enjoy first is best. You're not going to make a home run play in the beginning and you shouldn't aim to. You should never aim to go all in on any sort of stock or any sort of bet in the beginning. So these metrics and all these fancy acronyms are not as important as you think when you're first beginning. You shouldn't necessarily need 
a pencil and notebook like right when you start, right? Like a lot of it is really just getting the feel of things and seeing that number tick up and down, those 10 cents going up and down. Uh, like, like you shouldn't need to feel like you need to study up on what every single acronym means before getting into them. As you read due diligence from other people, articles, and as you keep up on news from your favorite companies, you're gonna be um, seeing these acronyms just naturally. And that's how I learned them. And I don't think it would be helpful uh, for you to just like look up a book of like random acronyms and go from there, but rather find out what you are particularly interested in as they come to you naturally from these news sources and these like other sort of uh, media pieces and pick and choose from there. All right. Uh, so, so far we've talked about before you invest, you should pay off your credit card debt. If you do decide to invest, dollar cost averaging with shares is probably the safest thing to do. Uh, and then we just recently talked about what you should DCA on or dollar cost average on, and that's what you're passionate about or what you use. Um, next, naturally, what I find is that people want to start venturing into options. If you start wanting to venture into options, despite me being the host of ThetaGain.com, you know, a mindset of where selling options is best, I suggest that everyone should start off on the buy side first. Meaning like you should buy calls and uh, buy puts uh, before you sell calls and sell puts. This sounds so backwards to many, many people that listen to the podcast, but being on the buy side first makes everything so much easier to understand and it gives you really something to look, look forward to just being on the other side because for those that don't know, when you buy an option, that option can expire. Where if you're on the buy side, that's a bad thing. If you're on the sell side, that's a good thing. We'll get into depth on that in, the, in a future episode. But really, starting off on the buy side first gets you motivated to get to the sell side quicker. But you also find out why the buy side is so volatile. You can win big from the buy side, but you could definitely just lose it all from the buy side as well. Selling side also has its good share of cons, but if you do it responsibly, I think the probabilities of success are much higher. And same thing about technicals uh, with stocks. I think, I mean, by the time you venture into options, you would have a fair share of technicals that you like to look at, like P&E ratio, EMAs, and RSI. Um, but if you go a little bit faster than I think you might, if you're getting into options and you don't know any of the indicators, I think you might be a little bit too early because then you're going to be introduced to what are considered Greeks or metrics on how to track option pricing. I don't necessarily know um, like the formulas of how Greeks work and every detail and intricacy of how Greeks work, but I've played with options enough to know like what each Greek does. And you'll get that naturally too. But something I also wanna just advocate for is that you don't need to like download PDFs or look uh, buy books on how the Greeks work to just venture into options. Is it safer to do so? Yes, but I personally find it that like, you know, the, the more you're motivated to read books and have like this knowledge before starting, uh, it's going to really set you up to think that you're going to be unstoppable when you 
actually implement the strategies. Like I think it will lead to a false confidence. So, you know, similar to dollar cost averaging, if you're gonna start into options, I recommend buying very small, very cheap options first. Um, maybe that are like a few bucks, uh, like eight, ten, twenty dollars for a buy side bet, and seeing why it goes to zero, and then starting off from there. Um, you know, if you're saying like, you know, I can't afford twenty dollars to do a bogus trade or a bad trade that will eventually go to zero, um, then you might just not have enough money to really play with options. I think a good amount to play with options um, it, when you're first starting out is about like a thousand bucks. On the sell side, to comfortably be on the sell side, you need to be at like ten or twenty thousand um, dollars. But you know, if you're just learning, buying options is not all too expensive if you're doing really wacky trades to learn. But if you want to start taking it seriously, I think about having five, ten k is probably a good number. But again, this point that I'm talking about in this podcast is talking about learning. Like if you're just if you're really just starting out. The best way to learn about how options work is actually executing the trades on your own. Because again, if you just read all these systems and try to um, try to make all these acronyms work, all these Greeks work in your favor, you're gonna quickly learn that you're trying to put all these really rational, well-defined definitions to an irrational system. The stock market is irrational. It's going to do things that you've never expected to do and you getting so prepared with all these acronyms and all these technicals will never prepare you for what actually happens and the emotional baggage that comes from you know holding on to a red trade long enough for it to turn green or holding a green trade too long for it to turn red so you know start small start really really small and make sure you have enough capital to lose to learn you you want to just put out a few hundred dollars into, you know, trying out the buy side of options first before, you know, spending thousands of dollars for these plays that I see some people making. You want to be comfortable with losing. That is, I think, one of the biggest keys to being successful with the option side versus stocks because stocks, you know, there's that notion that, you know, stocks always go up or if you hold long enough, you'll turn green or you'll go green. But in options, your options expire. So you really have to have your fundamentals and your like execution down really solid uh, before you invest higher amounts of money. So I'm not saying that buying books or reading PDFs is bad, but I'm just saying that it's more important to actually get some real trades in first before you read up on all of these PDFs and books before you get super confident and you're like, oh, there's no way this call won't work on like these these 10 calls won't work on Domino's because Domino's has never like missed an earnings before and buying these 10 calls with this Delta, with this other Oogla Boogla indicator, uh, it can't go wrong. And then you you find out that boom, Domino's doesn't perform well and then all your due diligence and all the things that you read in the book is bad and then you realize, wow, I spent so much money on this losing play when I should have just bought smaller options to see how options react to things first, you know? So that's just my... This is my little tidbit. Wow, my voice is getting dry. Ooh, man, it feels good to be back. Uh, point number five, or tip number five, uh, whether you stay on shares or lean towards options, finding a system that works for you is very, very important.
when I first started trading, uh, I would be really influenced by a lot of articles that might say, you know, why like top 10 reasons why you should sell this stock today or, you know, three reasons why you should invest into this stock today, uh, you know, or another article might say uh, why this company will have the best future in the next 10 years, whatever, whatever have you. I was looking at a lot of news a lot of the time that made a lot of my decisions and that made a lot of my trading decisions unpredictable and my profit unpredictable as well as well as my losses, right? So what I found is when I started the website uh, in 2019, when it was only my trades, uh, I knew a lot of people were looking at it. I had Google Analytics on it. A lot of people were looking at it. And I knew people were sort of like vetting me. Like people are like, okay, is this, is this dude um, actually making all these trades? And people would like d double check within the terminal system and, and whatnot. And I knew I had to shape up. I knew I had to like really prove that I had a system down. And so I started having all these rules that I would have as I was inputting my trades that people were watching, right? And I still do that till this day. Again, thetagain.com slash Junie is where all my trades are all the time for free, no pop-up, no newsletter, no nothing. And that's my Steam being uh, notified. But I knew I had to have a system because otherwise it's just me showing like my trades just for the fun of it, but rather it's not me trying to prove out a system. I wanted to prove that a system would work. I wanted to prove that Theta Gain trades do work. And I wanted to do it in public domain because at that particular time, I didn't really believe in the Theta Gain strategy where like selling options, covered calls, cash secure puts, the wheel. I didn't really believe in it, but I thought that I would just show my trades as like a learning exercise for me and just like a cool thing to do, just like I, it was just kind of new at the time. Like, oh, here's all my trades, you know, the the winners and the losers. It, it was very, it was just very different. And so when I started implementing my system, I started figuring out all these rules for myself um, that helped me make the decisions of like, okay, when should I close this out? When should I take profit off the table? Do I buy more shares here? Uh, what is slippage? Like, do I watch for this sort of slippage? Is the volume decent here? And so I started coming up with all these prerequisites that were required of me before I entered a trade. And it started helping my profit loss ratio a lot. I started becoming very profitable very fast. I started picking up on like, you know, call credit spreads aren't as good as put credit spreads because the market just generally goes up. So although call credit spreads have like a similar probability of profit, it just still isn't really the same as put credit spreads despite the number being the same. And so, you know, I have all these tiny tips of like, you know, also making sure of like, that I take profit at like plus 30% if I'm a long on an option. If I'm short on an option, I take profit on of 50%. I have these indicators and these rules that help me make the decisions um, of whether or not I stay in a position that's green or I close out a position that's red because I have these rules. Other people or newer people don't have these rules. Rather, you know, they think like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to hold on to this trade because it's doing really well. I don't see it going down any further and I won't, I won't take the profits here. And then they see the trade turn red, you know, or the vice versa. They have a short option or option that they sold 
and uh, the trade starts off red, but they never give it enough time to turn green because they don't have any rules like a, you know, like a stop loss or any sort of percentage of, uh, basis there. And they close out the trade before it could turn green and they lose out on gains they could have had if they just stayed in. So what I'm going to do is go a little bit more into depth on my trading system in future podcast episodes. Um, so stick around for that. And just letting you know, I don't like gatekeeping what I do. I think it's just, it's really not necessary. Like I learned everything that I've learned from public resources. Um, maybe the resources are a little bit different. Like Wall Street Bets was way different when I was on it than it is now today. Um, but I've learned from Wall Street Bets. I've learned from Investopedia. I've learned from people on YouTube. I've learned from articles on Google. Nothing that I do is really um, like unique to me where I'm just really influenced by a lot of other people's um, best tips and I feel like I've just curated all those best ones and came up with my own sort of system. So I'm going to be sharing that all for free and it'll, it will always be for free. Like I, I can't stress that enough where... I just want to make sure that if you're starting off with options or you're just starting with investing, I want you to have an even better start than me. Because I can't even say my start was good. Like I've, I remember playing earnings and losing a lot of money. I've also made a lot of money playing earnings, but I'm pretty sure I was like overall down. Uh, it's, it's just a whole lot. There's so many things to learn and there's many different approaches on the internet, but I really want to give you the the just the realest take like i'm just an average person that has like all like that's really motivated and really passionate about this stuff i hope i hope that at least comes through that i just want to help you in the most authentic way i can by sharing my all of my trades for free and my system and if you're wondering about my system right now um i've talked about it a good bunch in my 180 previous episodes uh, but I'll have a dedicated episode or an updated one in the future of just like how I'm trading today in 2023 and how I'm most likely going to trade in 2024. Um, that'll have like my favorite indicators or maybe my favorite companies and maybe a good mix of like, you know, my profit triggers of when I like to take profit and when I like to exit for a loss and all that stuff. So I'll have a dedicated episode for that for free later. Um, but yeah, let's just go on to the next tip all right uh and on to the next tip here you'll notice that's tip number six when the episode's title is top five trading tips um because this is a default episode i just want to cram as much content in here as possible so if you are listening to this and you're listening to the first recommended episode that you're getting as much as you can in case if you decide to never listen to an episode again i'll leave you with these last two bonus tips uh for the first bonus tip or tip number six is just don't play earnings. You know, I talked about it earlier. I talked about how earnings are fun because, you know, you win big if you win, but you also lose big if you lose. It's very, very gambly. I don't think earnings belong in any sort of system, but if you do it for fun, you should do it. Like if you, if you, if you want to do it for like, um, like a predictable way to make income, that is probably the last thing you want to do. Just being real with you, especially if you have the confidence of like, Hey, I know this company, like the back of my hand, I know for sure that this earnings will be killer or these earnings will blow. Um, the market is 
irrational. The market being stocks, the market being how options fluctuate depending on you know the theta that decays uh, exponentially near uh, expiration or the gamma risk that happens also before expiration. There's so many different things that can happen when you're playing earnings. Um, and really, uh, I would say like in the beginning, your earnings or the money that you're spending uh, playing earnings can be better spent on uh, buying those options that you are learning from. Like there's not really much you can learn from buying an option for earnings. Just uh, maybe you can learn like to not play earnings, uh, but without being cheeky, uh, I mentioned a point before where you know buying a few cheap options would be kind of a cool thing to do uh, because it helps you learn how options act towards expiration. You know, it doesn't require a lot of capital. The thing about playing options um, near earnings for that particular ticker is that because it's more volatile at earnings, options during that time are more expensive. And you'll learn more about that in the podcast and maybe just as you trade and stuff. And that's called implied volatility. Um, But yeah, earnings are just not a good time frame to learn how to trade options at all. It's just because the event is so binary. You either win or you lose. And it's it's just not a good place for you to do any sort of learning from. Again, Fun as heck, but do not expect to uh, learn much from playing those. You might win big for the first one. And uh, like Wall Street Bets says famously, the first one is always free. Like you always see on like the, the you know, the, the loss porn that they have on there where people post their biggest losses. If they post their all-time chart, there's always like this little line at the very beginning before it goes catastrophically down where it goes up. And you can just tell that's where they got the amount of confidence because they might have won earnings once. And then they went big. They went huge on the next one because they thought that they could do two in a row. And that's where the big uh, sort of drop starts to happen. And then maybe they they start trying to win it back and they lose more. And then you get in that gambling loop where you, you are just in this like uh in this really bad rut of consistently trying to do these low probability uh profit um bets and then you just keep driving your profit loss down and you're just deeper deeper in the hole so all of that could be avoided by not playing earnings of course you can still lose big on if you bet too much on anything else outside of earnings but not playing earnings is just a huge part of that. Like you won't get so coaxed into going all in uh, on maybe like an everyday option. But earnings, I don't know. There's something that happens to the brain that goes primal where you really start to think like, yeah, you can win big and you will win big, and you, it, all bad stuff starts to happen. So start small when you're playing options. Uh, start on the buy side first. Buy the small options. Buy buy some that are not uh, in the earnings window or in the earnings time frame. And you'll, you'll learn slowly from there. That, that should be better. And my last bonus tip, uh, a.k.a. also my last tip uh, for today's episode, is don't be a hero. So I think um, talking about my philosophy about money might be, uh, might be pretty helpful here, where I think that, you know, although money doesn't, buy happiness i think it does help you be a little bit more happy than the next person if you have more 
Um, I don't think you need the most money by any means, but there is a certain amount of money that you can have that keeps the stresses away where maybe you don't have to worry about paying your bills on time. You don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about that because you have an adequate amount of money, right? So I think money is is like is a good thing. I think capitalism is a good thing too. I don't see many other sort of like um, ways to run a country are as good or just as good. So, you know, money and capitalism are okay in my eyes. I'm not like gung-ho on any of those, but I do believe in it. Now, things that I would watch out for is like if I didn't believe in oil, okay? Like if I said that, oh, oil is evil, it's like killing the earth, us drilling oil and, you know, fossil fuels, greenhouse gases, all that stuff. That doesn't mean I'm going to go out there and short all the oil companies, okay? Now, I'm not going to be the hero that shorts all the oil companies and making, you know, making millions off of this because really I could spend that energy doing something else. I could write petitions. I could sign petitions. I could help out in soup kitchens and where oil companies might be impacting the community. I could do all of these things that don't require me to be a hero with my own bank account because shorting an oil company is extremely dangerous. And so is also going all in on oil companies if I really believe in oil, if I really love the trucks for whatever reason. Like, I'm not gonna go all in on oil because, oh, my truck needs so much oil. I think this demand will always be up. I'm not gonna be the hero on the play. So this also means, man, you know, I think social media is horrible. That doesn't mean that you should short Meta, right? Like that doesn't mean Meta makes any less money because you think social media is bad. There's a lot of people in social media watching a lot of ads. It doesn't mean that you should short Meta because you think social media is bad. Don't get your morals and your stock choices mixed up, aka you don't believe in war. That doesn't mean short the defense or missile companies or don't buy puts against the missile companies if you're short against war if you want war to happen well first of all you shouldn't want that in the first place but that also doesn't mean you should go all in on missile companies right none of these none of your self-interests right have anything to do with how a company does so don't be the hero and don't get your morals twisted with your stock picks like the stock market doesn't care about morals and it doesn't really care about any of the issues as much as like we want that to be the truth uh it's just not how capitalism works and not how the stock market works and if you're gonna play within the stock market you have to play within the stock market rules you don't want to mix up any sort of like good virtue with the stock market or anything because that's just not how it works you need to spend your energy of those moralities like of your own doing things that are more productive like signing petitions and helping out food kitchens and you know maybe saving up the money um that you would have used to short oil companies to maybe uh send as donations to nations that are impacted by oil companies do do stuff like that to um, make the morality better but leave the stock market to a system that's designed to work within the stock market system not one that uh, like sort of has to do with your moral conflicts versus like capitalist ideologies. Woo! And that about wraps it up. We're at the 59 minute mark. Uh, and that's today's show topic. Um, th- those were seven tips 
are the seven top tips that I would give anybody uh, mislabeled as my top five trading tips. I hope you enjoyed. Um, That was today's episode, which will be the default episode um, on Spotify. I don't know if Apple Podcasts actually has that feature yet, but on Spotify, there's this option where I could recommend the default episodes of this one will be it. Um, And yeah, uh, we'll go into two more sections, but that is the end of today's uh, episode topic. Feel free to stick around uh, for the other two in just a bit. All right, um, this next section, uh, I don't have any content for as well, um, just because, again, the show's topic just took so long uh, to write. Um, The next section here is the Q&A section. So you can either email me at juni at theatagang.com, and you could label it with also your theatagang.com username. You could uh, ask me any questions. And there's a good chance and good probability that you'll end up in this section here where I'll answer your question. Or if you just want to write something nice, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that in this section too. Uh, so feel free to send those in and I'll answer those questions or reply to those uh, uh, sort of like bits of feedback here. Um, but also Spotify has this pretty cool feature where you can ask Q&A directly in the app too in case if you're not a fan of selling, uh, sending email. Um, because I know that sending emails is getting more and more annoying by the day, but uh, I do appreciate the ones that do um, that are being sent in. Like uh, this entire five month break, I've gotten plenty of emails from people checking up on me, seeing like how I'm doing, you know, why the podcast has stopped, and all that good stuff. So I'm glad to be back, um, and really I appreciate every single email. I've also replied to every single email during the break, uh, making sure that people knew that I was alive and kicking and just waiting to prep and get this episode out. So I'm back, weekly schedule, uh, and we'll head into the outro. This podcast, the website, and stream are all made possible because of my patrons at patreon.com slash gang. Signing up helps keep the services up and alive as well as pay my own personal bills like health insurance. Holy moly, it's like $300 a month. Who knew? Um, I do the podcast, website, and stream full time and is my primary source of income. I feel grateful to do this full time and I focus on providing the best service possible for free. The podcast, website, and stream are all free and it'll stay that way. Signing up for Patreon does give you a few perks, though, so check it out again at patreon.com slash thetagang if you're interested in helping support. I want to give a special shout-out to my patrons. Uh, that's Andy V, Arfman, Avrilian, Bearded Savage, Can't Make Money IRL, Chicken Dinner, Danube9000, EDC, Fancy Wolf, Grandpa95, Kaput, Kevlar22, Lord Skeletor, Los Pepes, uh, Maestro XC, Major, Maltman1856, McFly, Mods, Mr. Integrity, Nala, Ensis88, uh, Rooster, Rustier, Senecas, uh, Slow Motion, Statistically Random, Sumatrix, Terrain Trader, The Jester, and Upstream Puddle. Again, I want to give a huge, huge thank you to my patrons for allowing me to even have the possibility of doing this full time. Uh, while I don't break even on my rent and health insurance yet, uh, I hope to get there one day. And <laughs> it is it is wild. It is wild doing something like this 
full time. Haven't been doing it for long. Have been doing it only for maybe like three weeks now, I think. Yeah, three weeks now. Um, but not having a regular nine to five, really scary. But also working on your dream passion project, also really cool. So we'll see where this goes. Thank you so much for listening today and see everybody next time. section of the podcast in reference to the amount of people that used to listen to the entire podcast all the way through a lot more people finish the one percent section of the podcast now because i don't know just people caught on to this section of the podcast but a lot of people used to just tune out at the outro because it's really boring because all it is is just me saying thank you for a really long time but anyway this section is dedicated to things that are happening in my personal life and uh you you could usually just skip out on the on the outro but if you care about what's happening you know in my day-to-day you would stick to to about right now how you guys doing i know it's been a while again about five months but i hope everyone is doing well uh, I really do hope that, you know, the longtime listeners, you guys can show up at the, um, you know, emails and the Q&As because I feel like a lot of what I want to do is make the podcast like more interactive. You know, I want to really start building a community around this thing. I want to make the podcast and website more infused. Like I'm going to have some click through URLs um, sort of baked into the website. And, you know, there's already an achievement where like if I mention your uh, your trade on the podcast you get a specific title where you can like change your username to be like junie the listener or something like you know some some fun stuff like that i want to start incorporating more of um this is again the default episode like i'm so sorry for like the how long this one came out to be because i wanted the default episode not to be too long because i didn't want to turn off people from wanting to listen to like an hour of someone talking but i feel like the explanations of each section would be beneficial because again this is the default episode i love that feature by the way i can't believe that this isn't a feature for apple Podcasts, or if it is i just haven't seen it yet so uh hopefully that comes out soon for apple Podcasts, but definitely for spotify um funny to know i i was thinking about bringing the podcast from rss directly to spotify because spotify does have a lot of the cool tools that i like but what i don't like about spotify is that it doesn't incorporate my analytics for apple Podcasts. like for example i if i would never know that the majority of listeners are actually on apple Podcasts. like 66 percent of you are on apple Podcasts, and the other like 30 something percent is on spotify and the others are on google or amazon or whatever so i'm gonna continue using rss as my analytics dashboard um i i don't know i guess this is some feedback from spotify which would never get to spotify because first of all spotify would have to listen to my episode and then they would again have to listen to all the way to the very end where i'm talking about it now but anyway um so that's that's that writing the podcast script i've also recorded the trailer for the podcast which is another cool spotify feature because spotify is really leaning to podcasts i feel like they can they have a lot of potential to do it but there's just a lot of people baked into apple Podcasts right now um but yeah lots of prepping i've done lots of prepping in the last few weeks writing this script um writing my trailer finding out that i could 
upgrade to a new software. When I say new software too, like I'm talking about like just the newer version of Audacity. Like the newer version of Audacity looks about the same as the last version, but it just it does function just a little bit more how I would originally expect it to. Um, I've also moved the mic placement so it's just a little bit more consistent to just like more normal volumes compared to everything else. Previously, my vo I think my mic was just a little bit too far. Um, I still haven't ate yet. It is like 5.06 p.m. as I'm finishing this recording right now on Friday. Um, but of course, I can do this during the day on Friday because this is now my job. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. I got laid off um, earlier this month. Um, Friday this, or not Friday, rather, uh, uh, October 6th was the official day that I got laid off. So I've been doing this now for Oh, I guess now for 14 days. Um, so I've been doing this for 14 days. I've like scheduled a lot of just like wh what I'm going to do on a day-to-day -to, -day to make Theta Gang full-time. I have like coding blocks dedicated to when I'm going to code. I have blocks of time dedicated to when I'm going to write my scripts, uh, dedicated blocks of time to like write on Twitter, uh, record the podcast, like everything. And it feels so good to look at my calendar and it's full, but every single thing on there, I'm excited to do. And I think that's my favorite part about being sort of like on my own, doing my own thing and not doing a nine to five. Uh, it's low key kind of scary because I've always had like a job ever since, you know, I was able to have a tech job. I've never uh, like had a break between jobs. Um, and it's it's just it's just been a really eye-opening experience for me because um you know i got to a point where i was making a good amount of money and the longtime listeners of the podcast know that i've always just wanted to buy a nice house and my goal being like to raise and teach my you know you know future kids how to ride a bike on the driveway um and it's a very wholesome idea and dream and it's still a dream of mine that that still hasn't gone away but what i've noticed is i was more than on track to do that especially if i were to find and get engaged and married to a partner um, that can help uh with that endeavor right like all the calculations i've ever done in my life has always been by myself and that's how how i've sort of framed how i do things um, I do things on my own a lot because I just prefer it that way, which is why I do the podcast on my own, stream on my own, and code the website on my own. Um, but uh, some other news is that uh, I am now engaged. I got engaged. Uh, hooray, by the way, yeah. I got engaged. Um, you know what? I probably should know this by now. But I got engaged about like... Like maybe like a oh two weeks ago, I was on a trip in Japan. I I asked her in Japan. She said yes. It was very very cool. Um, I'll tell you about the story. I'll actually write that down um, as a one percent thing. Uh, story of uh, how I proposed. I won't for, I won't forget to tell. But it's just a little bit long to add that just in on top of all of this what I've said so far. Uh, but I'm engaged now, and it opened my eyes to like okay. I've calculated all of this. I've made all of the money I have have had, and I started just realizing I'm about to marry 
my future partner soon and she also makes a good amount of money and it would just make any extra money i make right now me literally trading my time for more money more money than i would really ever need because i already have enough money to buy the things that give me joy and that includes um a shrimp like i i raise these really tiny little shrimp like called crystal red shrimp i like them um i like jujitsu i make enough to pay for my jujitsu membership i like i like bonsai i like orchids i like um i like i like just having lots of hobbies i like playing lorcana now which is like kind of similar to magic back in the old days my point is i don't like huge designer bags i don't or or big designer outfits or any anything that's necessarily like really really outrageously expensive i'm not really my budget for fun and my hobbies is not all too large so i just found that i was really blocking out large portions of my day working for a lot of money but it was it started feeling really bad because i wasn't able to work on theta gang full time i i would work on theta gang after i'm done with a really stressful fully blocked day of work at like 8 o'clock p.m. after I came home from jiu-jitsu after I ate. And I would stay up until f- like 3 or 4 o'clock on some, some nights in, or up to 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning working on a Theta Game feature. And when, when I would go to bed after completing a Theta Game feature at like 3 or 4 a.m., I wouldn't even be sad. Like I would have been like, man, I just did that and that felt great. And I would sleep and then maybe like five hours later I'd wake up and then be in a stand-up meeting for my job or whatever, and I'd feel pretty bad. Like, I'd just be like, oh, why am I doing this? I I was just so motivated to work on my own thing. Like, why am I working 9 to 5? And so fast forward, like, three months, uh, then I get laid off. And this is essentially, like, my dream scenario, right? Like, where I get laid off, I did receive severance, so I do have a good bit of cushion to pursue Theta Game full-time in case if I really just, like, this dead stopped and didn't go anywhere. I would still be okay enough to find a job and go elsewhere. Um, but this really gave me the sign that said, like, uh, Junie, you have this buffer. You're young. You're not married yet. Uh, you're, you're, you're engaged, but you're not married. You have no kids. Uh, and you have no house to worry about mortgage on. This is your time to go. And right now, I am going um i want to get to a place where i can start saving up for a house again under you know while working theta game full time but i think that will take a while my first short-term goal is i think i've mentioned is just to really just break even on my rent and health insurance first i think that would be the biggest like um that would be the biggest confidence boost. I'm already pretty confident that I might be <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, I, this is just copium at this point. But uh, like a really good short-term goal for me to complete would be to um, break even on rent and health insurance. And I have a little bit more to go. Um, right now, I keep my earnings on Patreon.com public for those everyone to see. I think I make like pre-tax i think i make 918 dollars a month and so i think i'm about like halfway there to break even on my rent and health insurance um but yeah slowly but surely i'm not in a rush i don't want to also grow too fast and then lose the culture of what i've built up so far because i feel like the group that 
I'm closest to because of the Theta Gang right now is awesome because of the speed that I've, I've grown. So striking the balance of growth versus, you know, breaking even is going to be a challenge. Um, I think... I, th I think that's it. You know, I've talked a, a long time. I've done several takes of a lot of different sections on this on today's episode. And so my voice is getting a little bit hard and raspy right now. Uh, but one little tiny point uh, that I want to bring up is and it's this is this is the funniest. This is the funniest one. I, I couldn't wait till um, next week's uh, episode to talk about it. But during my five week break, right, or not five week, my five month break of the podcast to work on the website. I would still occasionally play video games. One of my favorite video games to play is Dota 2. It's a very like old game. Like not many people play it, I'm going to be real. Um but it was crazy. On two occasions in the 5 months, I got recognized because my uh, my profile picture is the Pikachu and my in-game name is Juni and people would tell me like as as the game ended, they'd be like GG, uh love your podcast by the way. And that'd be it. Like, they would just save it till the very end after we've played for, like, an hour because games typically take, like, a, like 30 minutes to an hour. And then they would leave, like, a nice note at the end. And I was... That would make my entire, like, month. Like, I was like, wow, someone recognized me in Dota 2 because of my podcast. That is crazy. And so that got me so hyped to get back and start recording again. And if you are listening and you're one of those people that recognize me in Dota 2, like, please email me and let's start a conversation because that was just so wholesome and I'd love to, like, respond to you because I also do appreciate that you kept, like, the podcast and the Dota game separate because Dota 2 gets pretty intense at times. But, oh, wow. It, it That was just a surreal moment. Like, I've, I've never had someone, like, recognize me in person because, like, really... I'm I'm nowhere near big enough to be recognized really anywhere, but the fact that it still happened in a video game like blew my mind. It happened twice, so yeah, that's my little bit of stardom. Um, it's Friday. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. If you're listening to this, I, I think I might auto schedule this to be released on Monday, so you're probably listening to this on Monday morning. Um, and yeah. Oh, also. Uh, I keep saying one more thing. One more thing. I'm sorry if part of the podcast in the, like in the beginning sounds a little bit robotic. You know, it, it after a five month break, it does, it does, uh, it, it is a little tricky to get back in like the podcast voice. So I could tell right now I'm talking pretty well, but <laughs> in the beginning uh, when I was recording, I was like, oh, this sounds kind of rough, but I just had to get it done because. You know, I've, I'm so excited. I need to just get back into the groove of things. So as you listen to your future episodes, I hope you, this tone stays well and forward. And uh, yeah, just really glad to be back. And I'll see everybody next week.